welcome, welcome. My name is David Vaughn again. We're so glad you're here. Uh, man, more and more people, uh, first service and second, coming back in person. Welcome back, man. Great when we uh, have to see people. And also many of you still watching online, online still our largest campus, our largest audience. Let's welcome our online folks today. So uh, I was on vacation last week down south, and what happened in Cincinnati while I was gone? When I left, it was warm and sunny, and I came back and I heard it snowed. Is that like an urban myth legend? Did it really snow? I heard it. I heard it snowed. And when I left, the Reds were in first place. <laughs> now, what happened? I, I know I can't leave anymore. <laughs> I, it was great to get away, and it's good to be back. I caught uh, most of J, uh, JT's message last week, by the way, on adultery, uh, mental adultery and visual. Man, he covered a lot of ground, and he went where most preachers don't dare to go. I'm proud of him for going there, and uh, man, it was a great message. And some of the phrases that he used are, are lingering in my mind, like when you got that phone in your pocket, you got porn in your pocket. Oh, that, that was strong. And when he said, what are the implications of your apps? What are the implications of your applications? Oh, that was good. And one of, one of the lines he used that I love, he said, lust thrills before it kills. Oh, that sounds like something I would say. That's, that's a Vaughnism right there. It thrills before it kills. And I don't know what's up, but when I was walking by this morning just a few minutes ago, there were a couple of ladies, and they saw me walk by, and I heard one of them say, good job, God. Uh, when they looked at me, uh, um, maybe I heard them wrong. I don't know. I could have heard them wrong. <laughs> well, <laughs> I plan to continue. It's kind of a part B today. I want to continue to speak into a pretty sensitive subject. It's ironic that in Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he moves from adultery to the subject I want to cover today, just from my heart, if we just have a conversation about divorce. Uh, no doubt, I will not answer all your questions, but here we go. As with uh, as our style, my style, I'd like to speak kind of openly and frankly about this if I could. It is not my intent. I hope you hear my heart on this. It's not my intent to hurt anybody's feelings or place a guilt trip on anyone. My end goal, my true end goal, is that we would have a better, healthy relationship with each other, especially in marriage and with God. And though difficult, you just need to know... JT and I have made a commitment before Almighty God to speak the truth of God's Word in love. We, we want to deal with real issues with real people from inside real hearts. And that's really what the Sermon on the Mount, this series, is about. It's about your heart, which you can't always see. You see the outside, but you can't see what's going on in the mind and in the heart. And this subject today, I just tell you, is, is timely. Because depending on what polls you research, and I've done a lot, the divorce rate is extremely high both outside and inside the church, and that includes our wonderful church here. About, I would say, probably 50% of our church family divorced or getting ready to be. I texted Linda Hutchinson, who leads Rock Solid Families, used to be on our staff, doing an amazing job there, and I'll reference some resources from her later, but I was texting her uh, before this message this morning. I said, hey, FYI, I'm preaching on divorce, and I'm going to talk about some of the resources that are going on, and she said, David, I have been doing this a long time. I've never seen 
anything like this. I, we have couples who've been married 15, 20, 25, 30 years that are going through, uh, considering divorce, are going through marital stress like I've never seen. I don't know if it's because of COVID and we were all quarantined together for so long and now it's something else, but she said, there's something going on and I'm so glad that you're teaching on it and I'm praying for you. So I just want to tell you that I, I know this is sensitive and I know I'm speaking to people online and in this room who are dealing with this or will, will deal with this or deal with it with your, with your family. And sadly, my friend, far too many people marry for better or worse, but not for good. And we want to see if we can correct that. I want to remind the hundreds of you in this room and the hundreds of you watching online who are divorced that the same grace God has given for other areas and the rest of us is yours too, and you are important to the ministry of the church. If you're divorced today, you are not a second-class citizen. Trust me, you are welcome here. It is the church working right. We're all broken in lots of ways. Welcome to the family. So let me say this right up front, though, because I know that some of you carry who are divorcees, I know you carry this burden. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Oh, it carries a lot of pain, but it's not the unpardonable. Trust me, I've looked up what the unpardonable sin is in the Bible. It's the blasphemy in the Spirit. The Scriptures, nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does it say that divorce is the unpardonable sin. Some of you were taught that, and you've been estranged from God and maybe the church of Jesus because you thought you could never be forgiven. I want today to relieve you of that unproper, unhealthy burden in your life. Oh, divorce well, is messy. You can't unscramble scrambled eggs, but you can make an omelet. That's what I'm saying, and we're going to help you with that. There is still hope. So whether you're a divorcee, a single person who hopes to be married, if you're just single, say, oh, man, I'm going to check out there. It sounds like a marriage divorce. Or, oh, no, I'm going to help you in ways. Avoid divorce like someday you may get married. I, well, I'm going to give you a day. Don't check out on me. I'm speaking to single people who hope to be married. Or maybe I'm speaking right now to a married person whose marriage is very shaky right now, like never before. Maybe you took it for granted. Maybe you're seeing signs of it cracking. So I think there will be a word of hope, and I pray, hope you pray for me, a word of help from Jesus today, who is a huge fan of marriage, by the way. You know that, right? Like he invented marriage. <laughs> he invented the family. I think he knows what he's talking about. So what does Jesus say about divorce? What did he say on the Sermon on the Mount? In our series, Not Enough or Never Enough here, we've been really unpacking just three chapters in the Bible, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And let's turn to Matthew 5, verse 31. And I find it ironic, as I mentioned earlier, that on the heels of a teaching on adultery, Jesus now comes with just two short verses on divorce. Let me read it to you, and then we want to unpack some of these phrases. It has been said, and notice this is the phrase that Jesus used all the time in these chapters. You, you used to hear this, now I say to you, it's been said this, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. I'm going to tell you what that is in a minute. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, so notice this is what you've heard, this has been said, but I say to you, I'm going to call you to another standard. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. There are victims of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman 
commits adultery. Now, I could preach a whole series about these verses, and I have spoke on it from time to time here uh, from our stage here. But let me begin this topic by just summarizing it very succinctly, what God's view is on divorce. Because he very quickly puts it in just three short words, way back in the Old Testament in Malachi chapter 2. Here's how God views it. I hate divorce. That's what he says. I hate it. For so many reasons, and some of you already know the reasons why, because you've been through it. So Jesus and God, their perspective is, I don't like divorce. It's messy. Is it forgivable? Yes, we're going to talk about that. But it is hurtful. Jesus elaborated more on this teaching that I just read to you in Matthew 5 over in a couple chapters later in Matthew 19. Let me read that to you, and then I want to go through some phrases that stand out and maybe answer some common questions that I get about this very sensitive subject. Over in Matthew 19, here's what it says. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to test him. Now notice they're trying to trap him. They're not after Bible knowledge now. They're trying to catch him. They ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. And notice what Jesus writes. <laughs> it's so funny. Never get into a spiritual battle thinking you're going to trump Jesus. I'm just telling you right now. He can, just don't do it. You think they'd learn by now. You can't trap this guy. Haven't you read? He replied, of course they'd read. These are like that was their job to read the law. Haven't you read? He replied, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. He said, for this reason, sometimes you hear this verse at a wedding. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united or cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Notice the process. You leave father and mother, then you cleave. (laughs) You young people listening who are dating, you're getting a little too intimate sexually. You cleave and then you leave. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? Notice the process. You leave, then you cleave. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When you become married, and the longer you're married, the more you become one. That's why it hurts when it's ripped apart by divorce. That's why older couples, widows or widowers who have been married 30, 40, 50, 60 years, when the spouse dies, they'll say to me often at the funeral, David, I feel like half a person when they died. If you've ever heard that or said that, you have diagnosed exactly the issue. You are half a person because you did such a good job of becoming one. And it hurts to divide the oneness. Why then, they asked, they weren't done. Why then did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. And I tell you, it kind of repeats what he said in Matthew 5. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. At this particular time, especially in Matthew 19 in Jewish history, there were two prevailing views of divorce. Not unlike some components of divorce in our culture. The first view they had in Jesus' day of divorce that the scribes and Pharisees knew well about was this. Divorce could be done or given for any reason. 
I mean any reason your wife cooked a meal that you didn't like. It was cold and it should have been warm. Your Hebrew wife watched too much Hebrew Hallmark. You can let her go. This is in the law, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him, he can write her a certificate of divorce. And many did. Now, now imagine, I don't know if you know this, but the longer you're married, there are some things your spouse will do that will displease you. Is that a secret? Someone said, I'm married for better or worse, but this is a lot worse than I thought. What if you got divorced every time your spouse displeased you? That's what they were doing. In fact, here's a picture of the actual certificate of divorce that the Hebrews used uh, here. I'll, I'll let you spend some time reading it. It's in Hebrew. According to Hebrew law, this certificate released from the bonds of matrimony a husband and wife. It was the disillusion of a marriage. It was through the transmission of this bill of divorce between a husband and a wife. Commonly, it was known in Aramaic as get, G-E-T. You get, I think from which we get our term, you get a divorce. It served as proof that the dissolution of the marriage in that event, that, that when it occurred, it meant that one or both had proof that they were no longer married if they wished to remarry. Now listen, I'm going to come back to this. Whenever God gave the right to divorce, he gave the right to remarry. Remember that. But this certificate of divorce was common in their day. This get was used all the time. So the first view in Jesus' day, you could get divorced, and they were doing it for any and every reason. Second view in their day of divorce was that it was only for the reason Jesus articulates here, the reason of sexual infidelity. Remember now, when Jesus gives this statement, He's speaking to scribes and Pharisees. He's speaking to people who were not asking Jesus a question to get an answer. They were asking Jesus a question about divorce to get him in trouble. So Jesus gives them a pretty hard answer. In fact, Jesus gives them hard words because their hearts were so hard. And these may come across as hard words harsh words to you in our culture because we have hard-hearted people now too. So let me summarize all of the Bible teaching, especially Jesus, about divorce in a simple way. Jesus says this, divorce is contrary to God's perfect will. The ideal is one man with one woman for one lifetime. And in an ideal world, no one would ever divorce. But we don't, unfortunately, as you know, live in an ideal world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a messy world. That's the ideal. Having said that, though, divorce was permissible in certain circumstances. Moses made accommodations for divorce in his day because of the hardness of men's hearts. Sadly, too, we will as well. I've researched this several times, and I just want to give you several biblically acceptable reasons for divorce. May I just start with that? And they all start with A. It'll be easy for you to remember. You don't have to get a divorce because of this, but if these three, one of these three things occurs, you can pursue your own modern version of the certificate of divorce. Number one is the one Jesus said, 
adultery. The word he uses here, interestingly, is immorality. It's the word from which we get and derive our word pornography, what JT talked about last week. This is lewd sexual conduct, incest, adultery, whether heterosexual or homosexual. If you don't pay attention to what JT covered last week, it will lead to what we're talking about this week, adultery. The second justified reason, A, abandonment by a non-believing spouse. You can read more about that in 1 Corinthians 7 when the Apostle Paul gives directive to the church in Corinth on that subject. It says, if a non-believing, unbelieving spouse leaves, let them go. Let them do so. You are to be at peace. I also think there's a possible third one that are grounds for divorce, and I call it abuse. Significant, physical, maybe verbal, but definitely physical abuse, where God would not expect someone to stay in a marriage that was unsafe. But there's a fine line between this A and the adultery and the abandonment. I'm much more confident on those other A's. But man, God would not want someone who's physical abused to stay in that relationship. That's not right. So Jesus, like he has done several times already, he raises the bar on this sensitive subject. He says to the folks there who were divorcing for any and every reason, simply writing a certificate of divorce for any reason is not enough. It needs to be for a deeper reason, a better reason, a valuable reason, a valid reason. And like the other verses we've covered so far, this is a matter of the heart and the mind. You know in your mind when you start down the divorce trail long before you get the certificate of divorce. But if you're in this audience or you're watching online, your spouse has committed adultery, they have abandoned you, they're abusing you, you have the right to divorce and the right to remarry in God's eyes. Now in the Catholic Church, which a lot of us grew up in, You can get a declaration of annulment. It's kind of divorce, but it's not. Annulment is a judgment by an ecclesiastical tribunal that determines that a marriage was invalidly contracted or that the marriage never existed to begin with. Now, let me tell you, this is complex. It is philosophically hard to parse that because the Bible says once you are sexually intimate with someone, you are one flesh. In God's eyes, you are married in that way. But this is an option, I suppose. But honestly, it's very problematic. Again, forgivable like any other divorce. It's problematic because it usually hinges on the interpretation of intent and specific words that you meant back at the beginning. And it used to be your chances of annulment were increased with the contribution of money. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Not so much anymore. But if you had enough money early on in the Catholic Church, your chances of annulment increase. That doesn't seem right to me. So let me speak some words to the hearts and minds of different categories of people who are listening in this room and listening in on this conversation about this difficult and destructive trend of divorce in his day and our day. First of all, to those of you who have the biblical right to end your marriage and remarry. It's adultery, it's abuse, it's abandonment. If you have a, are in that category and you are allowed to remarry, let me give you a word of advice. Proceed carefully and with great wisdom. Proceed carefully and with great wisdom. 
Here's why. You're vulnerable. Go slowly. Seek wise counsel. Some of you are learning because I hear you repeating it back to me. When you are hungry, remember halt, the acrostic? When you're hungry, when you're angry, when you're lonely and you're tired, don't make any big decisions, especially on your marriage. Halt. Just stop. You're getting ready to make a stupid decision. You're going to make a decision you're going to regret. Halt. And no more should you halt than when you are deciding, I'm going to get a divorce, even if it's for valid reasons, justifiable reasons. It doesn't mean you have to do that. (laughs) Someone once said that there are two processes, two things that should not be started prematurely, embalming and divorce. (laughs) I subscribe to that. So slow down. Take a breath, friend. You didn't get here overnight. Don't end it overnight. Does this make sense? If you do divorce, here's my second observation, my second word of advice. Accept it if it is indeed over. Accept it if it's over. Now, this is really, really, I'll tell you, this is really difficult assignment for Christian people who are deeply committed and they want to be married because part of them wants to leave, but part of them still wants to be married. They, they don't want it to be over. There's a part of them that grieves that. I've read that it takes two to three years to go through this, the grief cycle when someone close to you dies or if there's been a divorce. For some, it takes longer than that. And there is a sense in which divorce is more difficult to recover from from death because the person you divorced from is likely still walking around and they're alive they're, and there's no closure. You still have family functions that are awkward. You still have financial ramifications. You still have children involved. Man, but if it is, if you've divorced, Henry Cloud would call it a necessary ending. Accept it. It's over. You have to sometime move on. And we have some great resources coming online soon for this. In our church, we call it Divorce Care. It's a weekly care group designed for those recently divorced or going through a divorce. We also have a ministry called Healthy Marriages, which is a gathering of married couples for encouragement and support. Classes for those are now being formed. We're going to put an email up on the board here, Life Center, whitewatercrossing.org on the screen. If you want to get in on that, if you email, we'll get you in the loop so you can help uh, participate in divorce care and healthy marriages. And if you are divorced here, let, let me just ask for a favor. If you are divorced here, we want to help you. Don't run. It might be a scandal. It might be hurtful. But we want to help. Let it come out. Let it come out. The truth will set you free. Now, it'll make you miserable for a while, but it'll set you free. But if you're divorced and there's no going back, the hardest thing most of our divorced people will say, the hardest thing they do is forgiving their ex-partner or their ex-spouse. You'll probably have trouble forgiving yourself for some stuff. Because I, last time I checked, there may be one person that's more guilty than the other, but it takes two to walk down a path of divorce. Two, not just one. But forgiveness comes hard when we've been hurt. We want to retaliate. We want to get back. I heard about a man who drove by a house and he looked out on the front yard of the house. It was a 2020 Mercedes Benz, almost brand new. Sign said, for sale, $100. The 
Man, he pulled off the side of the road, went in, found the woman who had it for sale, said, here's your $100, but I got to ask, why are you selling this brand new car for $100? She said, well, my husband just called me from Hawaii. He ran off with his assistant. He told me to sell his car and send him half the money. (laughs) Oh, payback is not always enjoyable. And one of the other things I think that can help is for the 50% of us likely in this room or watching online who've been through a divorce, would you please just extend yourself to others and tell your story? Many of you divorced, we don't know it. Maybe it brings up pain, you don't want to talk about it. But let me ask a question. Who knows better about how to talk to somebody who's going through divorce than somebody who's been in divorce? Who, Who knows what it's like to be hooked on drugs than somebody who was hooked on drugs or alcohol and has overcome it? Who knows what it's like to get past porn, which JT did such a good job talking about that last week, than somebody who has been addicted to it. Man, this is the church working right. When we help each other and we tell our story, stories are liberating. One of the most liberating things you can hear in a church working right is me too. That's me. I dealt with that. Friend, you will not have a problem in a church this size that somebody else has not had and overcome. You understand that, right? That's why this is such a wonderful community. And one of the most life-giving things people can hear and say is, I understand because I've been there too. So if you're broken and you're hurting, can I just give you a little word? Not only do we understand, God understands. And here's how I know he understands. Did you know that God is divorced too? What? Yeah. He wrote it to the Israelite nation because of their unfaithfulness in worshiping idols. They committed spiritual adultery. It says over in the Old Testament, God said this to Israel, I have given Israel their certificate of divorce. The same certificate I just put on the screen. God said, I'm writing it to you because you committed adultery against me. So be very careful that you don't judge people who are divorced because God's divorced, yet he's still hanging around. He's still faithful. He still forgives. He still wants you back. Even when you commit adultery against him, even when you abandon him, even when you abuse him, you can get a divorce, but nobody says you have to get a divorce. So here's a couple of questions that people ask me often about divorce. I won't answer all of yours. Feel free to email. Love to try to get you any additional answers. Here's one I often get. David, if I remarry, I divorce and I remarry, do do I commit adultery or am I living in a continual state of sin and adultery? Like I'm I'm a continual state of sin. (laughs) So (laughs) since divorce is not the unimportable sin, let me see if you can help me answer this. We are all, no matter what our sin, living, if you want to use that phrase, in a continual state of sin. Are we not? All of us every day wake up broken, wake up sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. In ironic, we're probably married to a sinner. Crazy thing. We are all living a continual state of sin. What we as Christians now enjoy is a continual state of grace. It's, it, it's improper to think of yourself living in continual sin. You're living in continual Christ, in continual Savior, in continual Lordship. Every time you sin, he forgives again. 
So no, my answer is you're not living in a state of sin. In fact, the Bible makes it clear that if you have been divorced and you choose to remarry, that that is now your current valid season of marriage. God looks at that new union as the right union. I once had a preacher. I heard him preach a sermon. And he said, if you get divorced and remarry a second time, that in order to be forgiven by God, he said, you have to divorce your second spouse and go back and marry your first spouse. (laughs) Idiot. (laughs) Why would two wrongs make a right, even if you could do it? How crazy is that? In fact, I looked it up. I looked it up in the Old Testament. In fact, the Bible says, God says in the Old Testament, it is a sin to divorce that second time and return to your first spouse. Now, it's possible that some of you got divorced even before you found and knew Jesus Christ. Yea, God, everything you've done before you found Jesus is forgiven. So don't think, don't bear the weight that your forgiveness is tied to a divorce or not. It's tied to Jesus. It's not, listen, how many times do we have to say it? It's not what you do that saves you. It's what Jesus does for you. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Move on. Live in grace instead of disgrace. David, here's another question. Does unfaithfulness mean a one-time affair or a pattern of dishonesty? Well, either one is just cause to sever the marriage but it is possible to forgive and restore that marriage. And can I just say, after watching it time and time again, it would be preferable for you to forgive and work this out and reconcile and move forward because you're going to find out <laughs> the grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener because the septic tank may be over there. Okay? <laughs> Stay home. Water your own grass. So you may get a divorce, but you do not half. You're not commanded to get a divorce. You may have biblical grounds for divorce, but that means there's also biblical grounds for grace too. But if the husband or the wife has demonstrated a continual over a length of time, a continual pattern of unfaithfulness and infidelity, that marriage is probably irreparable. And Jesus does permit divorce. And by the way, wherever God permits divorce. I said it earlier. He also permits remarriage. You do not have to remain single the rest of your life unless you want to. Some of you say, man, after my marriage, I don't ever want to be married again. Okay, that's your choice. But your forgiveness is not tied to your singleness. But David, what if I've been married like multiple times? I'm like Liz Taylor kind of thing. Well, we probably got somebody that can beat you. Maybe you're Glenn Wolf. Heard of Glenn Wolf? Passed away out in California June the 10th, 1997. He was famous for holding the record for the largest number of monogamous marriages, 29. His shortest marriage lasted 19 days. His longest lasted 11 years. She was the keeper, I guess. Oh, by the way, did I forget to mention, he's a Baptist minister. That's messed up. (laughs) If anybody should know. No, it doesn't matter how many times you've gone through divorce for good or bad reasons. The woman at the well that Jesus encountered had been married five times, 
and was currently living together with someone in a kind of friends with benefits situation. Some of y'all say, David, I didn't know you knew that. Yeah, I know that. JT's not the only one could talk like that. <laughs> he can swipe right. I know friends with benefits. Can't wait for JT to hear that. But yet, Jesus met this woman at the well and offered her a new beginning with living water. But David, I know you're saying all that. I didn't know staying married was so much work. Yeah, it is. This coming July, my wife Donna and I will celebrate 40 years of marriage. 40 years. And even though I'm really sweet and I'm really compassionate and evidently really good looking and humble, it hasn't always been easy for Donna or Donna and I. That's why someone said that marriage starts out as the ideal, then it becomes an ordeal, and that's why people want a new deal. And I see a lot of people getting the new deal. David, it seems like it would just be easier to divorce. I know everything within you feels like that's the answer. But trust me, 99% of the time, it won't change because you haven't changed. You're just going to carry the same old you into a brand new relationship thinking things will be different, which is the definition of insanity. You better work on you if you're going to move on to something new. You're going to carry that same problem. As it turns out, everybody's selfish. Everybody, the option looks better on the other side. It would just be so easy. No, it's not. It might be easier in the short term, but a better investment is to stay where you're at and persevere. It's worth it. Persevere. Here's why. Let me give you a couple of reasons. I want to speak into some of you right now who are thinking about checking out, or in your mind you already are, and your spouse doesn't even know it yet. Divorced people will tell you that the scars never completely healed. Never. They're still sensitive. They're still hurtful. They still struggle. Their, their heart breaks every time they hear a song or watch a movie or see a couple that they think looks idyllically happy, and they're not. Let me tell you, if someone looks like their perfect marriage, they are probably the most imperfect marriage that you will find. If you dig deep enough, trust me, they'll tell you that they're not perfect. You just need to know there are no perfect marriages. Even we in the church, the bride of Christ, married to Jesus, the perfect husband, don't have a perfect marriage. The heart, the, but the, the scars don't heal. There are family consequences. There are emotional consequences. There are spiritual complications. Not to mention, I just want to tell you guys, you men here especially, huge financial consequences for going through a divorce. Have any of you guys heard about the new Barbie doll? It's called Divorce Barbie. It comes with all of Ken's stuff. Like, I'm convinced a lot of people are in debt because they've been through divorce. Let me tell you another reason why you ought to stay married. It's worth the investment. God also wants marriage to be permanent for the well-being of children. Don't kid yourself. Children are affected by divorce. Some of you are still not over 
the divorce of your parents. You're insecure. You don't know if you can trust a man or a woman. Sure, will they get over it? Absolutely. But don't act like it's better if you're not together, if you still have a fighting chance. I heard about this man who was 97 and his wife who was 95 and they went to a judge to get a divorce. And the judge asked, well, why did you wait so late in life to divorce? The couple said, we wanted to wait until all the children had died. That may be the only time it doesn't affect the kids. It's better for the kids to see you work through a struggle and overcome it for their long-term benefit, just saying. A perfect marriage is also a great testimony of our faith in Jesus Christ and how marriage is like Christ and his bride, the church. Like we live it, we breathe it, we forgive, we move together in life. It's a great testimony that we really believe what Jesus said here, what God has joined together. Let no man, no one under the earth or above the earth or on the earth separate us. So my advice to you, after 40 years of marriage, just decide early on that divorce is not an option. Murder, maybe, but (laughs) divorce, not an option. In fact, when you throw that word out, you're changing the relationship. Be very careful when you throw that word out. It means a lot more than you think it does. And once you throw it out, It's hard to take it back. So be very careful. Hold high the ideal of marriage. Now, let me give you some advice as I close that might help divorce-proof your marriage. Could I do that? Again, I don't know it all. Very imperfect. I've seen it all, though, as a pastor. And this, let me give you, I could preach a a whole nother message or a whole series just on this. But let me give you a couple of helpful advice here, a couple of pieces of information. If you are getting married soon, you're thinking about this marriage thing, I may have just talked you out of it, I don't know. But if you're getting married soon, I highly recommend you to get premarital counseling. Here's why. The statistics, the statistics on folks staying together are astronomically higher of staying together when you get premarital counseling. And if you never had it before you got married, uh, a lot of us, you know, we got married pretty quick and we're still together, which is great. But it's not too late to go back and get a refresher on your own counseling. I've texted with Linda Hutchinson, I shared, that she has a very effective premarital counseling program through Rock Solid Families. They're one of our strategic partners through the Life Center. And so Linda's email is here, Linda at rocksolidfamilies.org. I gave her a heads up. I said, hey, I'm preaching on this subject. I'm going to send people your way. I said, you're welcome. Anyway, email her. Find some kind of a mentoring couple that looks like they're not perfect, but they've overcome some stuff, and ask their advice. It's hugely beneficial. As well as participating, how long has it been since you have invested in your marriage to the degree that you have participated in some kind of a Christian marriage seminar online or in person? We, we host marriage ministry here on campus. It's called Retrovi. I see couples coming and working and investing on their marriage on many Saturdays here in the office. Or maybe... Maybe it's time to read a book, how about that, on your marriage. This is one that I'm finishing up by Tony Newhoff. Carrie, her husband, uh, just a great uh, preacher in Canada, she's a divorce lawyer, and she wrote this, before you split, 
You should really look at this book. Look at the chapters here in this book. Is there really no way out of stuck? Chapter 2, it's not my fault. Chapter 3, I'm not being unrealistic, right? Chapter 4, split, survive, or save. What do you really want? Chapter 5, how to move closer instead of moving on. Chapter 6, stop fighting, how to fight fair, how to, how to make peace. Next chapter, your conflict affects your kids more than you realize. Chapter 8, what would steps of forgiveness look like and where would they take you? Don't play it safe. Find the fun and intimacy you've been missing. Look at this last chapter, legacy, how your yes echoes into you and your family's future. Friend, don't make a decision today that you will regret decades later. Invest in it now. Read something. Invest in your marriage. That's what I'm saying to you. Put an inordinate, some of you put an inordinate amount of time into stuff you're interested in. You know more about sports and cars or houses. or Put that same amount of time, attention, and energy into your marriage. And for heaven's sake, don't take your marriage for granted. Don't take it for granted. That slow fade, that slow burn can happen so quickly. We wake up one realize, we realize one day, I don't even know this person because you haven't invested in that person. You haven't paid attention to that person. You've neglected that person. No wonder they're prone to wander. Learn to be content. Stay engaged. Cultivate. Invest in the intimacy of your relationship, relationally and sexually. I'm t- man, James says. <clears throat> We're going to talk to Letty and see if James is doing a good job. <clears throat> One of my mentors would often say to me, David, here's my advice I give to couples all the time, especially couples in ministry, because when you work real hard and both of you are working outside the home perhaps or your kids come up and you haven't invested, you tend to drift apart. He said, here's what he told couples. He said, you need to go on a 3S retreat with your spouse. What's that? Sex, sleep, and steak. (laughs) I guess seafood if you don't like steak. So how long has it been since you went on a 3S retreat? Man, that should be your line. Guys, you're welcome. You men, you men, you're welcome. Pastor David said it, 3S. We got time for a 3S. She may say, well, I got two out of three in me this weekend. But anyway, <laughs> how long has it been since you said to your spouse, honey, let's just get away. Remember what it was like before this, this, this? Remember what? Don't take each other for granted. And for heaven's sake, would you be careful about criticizing the spouse that you do have? Words matter. And over time, we start to believe them. I heard about a bumper sticker on a woman's car that said, all men are idiots and my husband is their king. (laughs) Probably not helpful, especially if he's driving. Speak life-giving words. Figure out your spouse's love language. Every one of them has one. If you're really interested, probe into their Enneagram too, just for fun. I guess what I'm saying, friend, regardless of anything you've heard today, if you are divorced or divorcing, please understand that divorce is a complex situation. Good people can and do 
get divorced. I'm just hoping to reduce two things in my ministry, the number of people that get divorced and the number of people who are not going to hell. I want to reduce both those numbers. That's the business of the church, the bride of Christ. No two divorces are alike. I figured that out after a career of ministry. Each divorce has a story and a backstory behind them. And the older I get, the more I realize there's a lot more gray in life and marriage than I first thought. It's not always black and white, right or wrong. Let's be careful that we don't judge. One of us, as I said, may be guilty of something more than the other. But it takes two people to rip a marriage apart and say, I will give them their certificate of divorce. It takes two And I think that's why Jesus waded unhesitatingly into the deep water of divorce because we all have to deal with messy people and messy situations that require messy grace. And the church is at its best when it gives grace and hope. It requires us, however, in our marriage to think differently, which is what this series, Never Enough, is all about It's never enough just to write a certificate of divorce, just to move on casually. Think more about it. So here's the simple and concise thinking I would leave you with today. Don't know where you're at online, in your home, in this room. But I know people near and dear to me that are right, like trying to figure this out right now. And I can tell you it's worth it. Hold on. You can make it. What God has put together, let no man separate. You'll thank me later. And in heaven, where there will be no more marriage, some of you say, oh, good, I knew there was a day. (laughs) In heaven, there'll be no more marriage or divorce, or death, we're all in the family of God. That's another sermon for another day. But you will thank me the rest of your life for turning the ship around when you're heading into a channel of divorce that's going to hurt you. So yes, there's grace for your disgrace. Yes, there's forgiveness. I hope you've heard my heart on that. But maybe on a bad day, you need to post that on your phone or on your refrigerator or in your car, what God has joined together, I will not separate. And may we cheer one another on. We're going to need it in this community of faith, in a culture where marriage is so disregarded, so devalued. Which of the actions this week that I've talked about today do you need to take?